Hey gang, welcome to episode 133 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles. As 2018 continues to unfold in all of its strange, myriad ways, this week on the show, we have um, we have our, our most returning guests. Um... What do I mean by that? Well, well, I think it's the most people returning at once. I think it's the people who have returned the most. Uh, and they're the most guests. No. Um, it's our friends from the Speakeasy Society. That would be Julianne Just, Genevieve Gearhart, Matt Bamberg-Johnson, and Chris Porter, who, of course, does the music for this show. And they're coming in to talk about not one, not two, but could it be three? Uh, at least two shows that are coming up here in Los Angeles. Uh, that being the Wild Party, uh, which is going to be at the Broad at the top of February, and uh, their remount of the first four chapters of the Kansas Collection as they build on their way to uh, the fifth episode of that series. We're going to get into all of that. Um, you, we're all friends now, so you can imagine this is a this is going to be a rather loose episode at times, um, and we're all kind of around. Uh, Matt and Jen's kitchen table. My beard just got caught in the microphone. That's what that sound was. Not that you need to know that. And uh, it's going to be a grand old time. A couple of things to take care of first. As always, we got to thank the people who make this show possible. And this is, I'm, we are dead serious about that. Like, let us be clear. When we talk about the Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash no proscenium, we mean that this show would literally not exist without that also the newsletter wouldn't exist and the website there's there's no way in heck we could do what we do and indeed this year is all about us taking it beyond um i want to make this what i do full time uh which means we got to take this wonderful little $730 a month package we've got going on which is beautiful and amazing and thank you so much and it's grown so much in the past couple of months and we got to keep that momentum going because yeah, we got to get this thing to about mm, do 7 to 10 times the size of that so we can actually you know run in media concern that's real um I need to change up the the page itself. We're going to be, uh, you know, uh, dropping some new text, reorganizing a few things. The gist of it is we're going to start putting about 15% of what we take in into a travel budget for the curators and writers so that we can send folks who are in uh, the various regions out a little farther than we normally do and not just have them do that on a volunteer basis. And uh, we need to bring it up to about 5,000. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I get embarrassed about this part of it because, um, and I shouldn't. I work in public media. It's like, it's just what we do. All right. Look, point is, if you value this in any way, shape, or form, a dollar to $5 a month is all we ask. Um, it'd be amazing if you drop more. 
And here are the people who've jumped on uh, the mission this time out. Nancy Proctor. Uh, Ben Needham has upped his pledge from $10 to $20. Thank you so much, Ben. Marcy Swenson and Ciara Bergen uh, all have become backers this time out. I hope that uh, you two, and you don't, and, and sadly, all you get is you get to hear your name, uh, and there's some other stuff, and we're going to put another care package together, and there's a bunch of people, and if you're one of them, if you were expecting a care package from me, uh, and you didn't get one over the break because you were going to the IDS, uh, I owe you one because I was too busy to hand them out. I had them on me. I know I suck. I had them on me. But we were a little busy running the thing, so I didn't have time to go get them to everyone. That and I was like really sick, which I think everyone knew. Um, so I owe you one. I think I might actually owe Ben one. Um, I know I owe uh, Leone one. Um, and Leone's going through town, so I'm hoping because she's in New Zealand. Um, not that it should cost me too much to mail a tiny envelope to New Zealand because it's just a tiny envelope. Um, but we got a new care package uh, coming together. Well, we will as soon as I get the buttons back. I kind of left all the buttons in San Francisco. <laughs> it was a long trip. Um, sustaining backers for No Persinium are Ross Sigworth, Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Arthur Tubman, Ari Herstand, and Lonnie Hanson. Thank you all, gentlemen, for um, for for being the the, the backbone of the show. It uh, it it means more than a lot to me. It means the world to me. Um, okay, that's that part of the show. If you want to help us out here, patreon.com slash no it will make a difference. Just remember, um, and here's the thing. Uh, if all you know is a podcast somehow, um, we've got the website, noforsinium.com. We've got Everything Immersive on Facebook. We've got the Twitter feed and the Instagram, uh, at no Persinium and at no underscore Persinium, which are run by the amazing Catherine Yu. Uh, and we've got the Slack community, uh, which is almost 500 people strong now. A lot of creators have jumped in, uh, but it's not just for creators. Uh, this is for everyone. So um, if Slack is a thing you do, or even if you're just curious about it, um, there's there's critical mass there. If you're the kind of person who was in the Slack like in the f- early days, the first few months, and like it's kind of dead in here. There's only like uh, 60 people and no one's posting. Oh man, it has changed. Why don't you come back to the Slack? Um, it's very easy to do. There'll be links in the show notes. Uh, oh, I will put them in the actual show notes. So I think you might even be able to join from your phone or something. I don't know. It's technology. I've stopped caring about how it works. There. Okay, that's that part of the show. Um, we're going to get right into the interview <clears throat> with the Speakeasy Society because I do have some stuff afterwards that I want to talk to you about. Um, and yeah, uh, oh, reviews. There's some new reviews. Uh, Doubtful Guest and uh, Agnosia. Uh, Catherine did Doubtful Guest in New York. I did Agnosia uh, here in LA. Both of those went up this week. Uh, we've got a bunch in the queue. And um, that newswire just keeps on humming, humming, humming. So you definitely want to check that out. And I I don't think there are newsletters this week. I gotta, I can't even remember. Um, there might be newsletters. Oh, um, no, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, you should know about this. Uh, if you're in Los Angeles, we're doing... Uh, an immersive 101 at Family Arts next Wednesday, the 24th. Yeah, I kind of have been mentioning this. Um, it is geared mostly to people who want to make immersive at the Hollywood Fringe. 
Um, so it's, it's really great for people who are, you know, longtime fringe folks who are like, oh, this immersive thing sounds really hot. Uh, let me get in on it. Um, John Henningsen of Thymeli and Speakeasy Society um, is there. Monica Miklas, capital W, Matt Quinn of Theater Asylum. These are all people uh, who are experienced at producing theater, producing theater at the fringe, producing immersive uh, in various capacities. And, and then there's little old me. Uh, doing what I do best, which is messing everything up and mispronouncing people's names. Um, <laughs> probably will do exactly that. Anyway, uh, this one, I think it's 20 bucks. Um, yeah, I'm not a great salesman. We all know that I'm not a great salesman, right? Ironic. Um, it's 20 bucks. Uh, it's available on the Fringe website. So you go to the Hollywood Fringe, uh, hollywoodfringefestival.org, hff.org. Hope I got that right. HFF18.org. Oh God, Ben Hill's going to kill me. Um, I used to know this stuff reflexively. No, I'm not reading notes. Why did you ask? Uh, anyway, go there. Uh, this is going to be a nice little, uh, a little bit of a boot camp here. You will not necessarily walk away with everything you know, need to know to make the most amazing immersive debut at the Hollywood Fringe ever. But you will know all of the questions you should be asking, both yourself and others, and you will know the pitfalls that you should avoid. And if you're starting out on a venture, that's a pretty good place to start, I gotta say. You're gonna make your own mistakes, you're gonna make your own discoveries, we're here to help you start that path. All right, with that in mind... There's one more thing that's happening at uh, Family Arts that I should tell you about, and that is the Leia Town Hall. Now, Leia is the League of Experiential and Immersive Artists. Uh, it is a consortium, soon to be an official, well, soon. <laughs> Let's talk about government shutdowns, so maybe not that soon. Soon to be a uh, nonprofit organization in its own right. Uh, it is a uh, Amalgamation of the efforts of folks like uh, Matt Bamberg Johnson of the Speakeasy Society, who are here today, Monica Nicholas of Capital W, who I uh, mentioned before, Derek Spencer of Ceaseless Fun, uh, Tommy Haunton of Stash House and the Museum of Selfies, and uh, was also uh, one of our initial founders before she was snatched away by Meow Wolf as uh, Jenny Weinblum, uh, but she's in Santa Fe now um, and is still is still helping out when she can. Um, and a whole bunch of other folks coming together on committees to work on the 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 issues that we have here in producing immersive in Los Angeles uh, and in growing the network. We've done a lot of work behind the scenes over the past few years, um, unfunded work to you know stitch this community together uh with you know chewing gum and bailing wire and now we're getting serious about it and being very formal or as much as a bunch of theater people can be formal uh and and weaving it into something more if you are an immersive creator and by that i mean uh whether it's theater dance virtual reality mixed reality whatever you think immersive is and that's valuable. What that is, this is an experimental place. Uh, if you are an immersive creator or an experiential maker, uh, come on down to Thymeli Arts on January 29th. That's Monday, January 29th. Yes, I know the Ovation Awards are on the same night. Um, come on down to, uh, well, now I do anyway, this week. Uh, we uh, Doors are open at 7. Programming starts at 8. 
we have the space, um, you know, for John's being very nice and letting us hang out of the space. Uh, we're going to probably, um, we may have a full slate of programming from eight to nine and then hang out time afterwards. Uh, come on down. I'm serious. Uh, no RSVP space holds about 175 people. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to break the space. I mean, if we do, I'll be like giddy, but also terrified. Um, and yeah, um, we're going to give us a little state of the union. We're going to bring everybody up to speed on what's happening. Um, and it'll be way more structured than this show ever is. There we go. There. It's all on no pro. I'll put links and stuff. Okay, let's roll. Speakeasy Society, we mentioned before. You're going to hear the voices of Julianne Just, Genevieve Gearhart, Matt Bamberg Johnson, and Chris Porter. We're going to be talking about all the stuff they're working on right now. And it is a lot. I am going to shut up as much as possible. And here we go. We should do this right this time. So let's do what we just did again for the listeners' sake. So, but we don't have to actually go around. So across from me is Genevieve Gearhart. And directly to my left is Matthew Bamberg Johnson. And next to him is Julianne Just. And across from her is Chris Porter. And you are the Speaking Society. Society. Almost <laughs> <laughs> oh, like it was rehearsed. It was not rehearsed. Um we're back here at your kitchen table, Matt and Genevieve. Um, we were we were looking. We think this is the fifth time you were, were on the. Uh, Julianne and Genevieve were on the very first show. Um, we keep coming back around because uh, you guys keep on making work. So you kind of kind of keep me in business. In <laughs> We, uh, we uh, when we were up at uh, IDS, uh, we figured out that we've done fourteen unique shows in the past five years, so that oh doesn't take goodness. into account any remounts or anything. Like yeah, that. and that's counting each episode of Kansas as a unique. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I'm like, wait a second, I must have missed something. <laughs> so like that just well, how does yeah. that add up? Um, okay. Kansas we'll get to in a minute, because as we're recording this, the remount tickets are about to go on sale, but we're here today to specifically talk about Wild Party, or is it Wild Party or The Wild Party? Oh, you get some smiles. It's It's, The full title is Wild Party, a Jazz Age Immersive Experience. Okay, cool. Wild Party. What? Wild Party. Wild Party. We, we okay. mostly just call it Wild Party. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For short. But I, but I think an important part in in that is, uh, well, there is the poem, The Wild Party, mm-hmm. and there are musical adaptations of that poem. And while we were inspired by that poem, we're definitely creating something very unique and distinct from the original poem story. Right. So it As was, with most of our uh, speakeasy shows, the source material is a starting point and not... Uh, final goal right uh, so you'll see the dna of it stretching the whole way through but it was very much we began with the poem and we created an original work out of it yeah. definitely and i think people you know who might have an intimate relationship with the poem it's definitely in there mm-hmm. it, you know you could almost say it acts as the easter eggs throughout there's a lot of easter eggs from the original poem but um but again the framework and, and the framework for the overall <clears throat> evening is definitely kind of inspired by it but we've we've really made it what is an original piece in the end and very different from the musicals. Very different. <laughs> Although there is music. 
Because there's because there are two there are two musicals. Well, there was like right. a, a, mm-hmm. a was it one were both off Broadway or one was Broadway and they and both went to Broadway. They both I went to Broadway. Believe. But I don't um, think either of them did terribly well. I mean, the, at least one of them was a pretty short short lived uh, experience. But um, I don't know. One of them definitely one of them gets keeps on getting remounted. Yes. and yeah. like so, one of them did well enough because like they did yeah. that one. They just did in Denver. Right? In Denver, yeah. they did an immersive production of that one. They just like this past, past October. Yeah, right. So that was that was off center at uh, the the Denver Center for the Performing Arts, Charlie Miller's program. Um, Charlie, who was at IDS. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God, I hope you don't get. I don't. I'm trying to avoid, like, and any anyone can talk about the way they want to. I'm just trying to avoid like that being like a, a nervous tick. Like, oh, an idea, idea, ideas. Um, the um, that was not a criticism of you, Matthew. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> checking myself. Anyone can say it if they want. Uh, it's it's I who have to watch out for it. Um, so. For those who have no clue whatsoever what the frack the poem is, or have never heard of the musicals, what is this thing? It's a party. So, basically, what it is is it's a it's a gathering of all of the golden age Hollywood stars. Um, and and not just Hollywood stars, but artists <clears throat> of that age. Because we have some some are stars, but others are we have literary artists. Absolutely. And I think and well, it's a gathering of these kind of famous people from various uh, arenas of that era. It's also then you've got kind of the people who work and live around those people also at the party. Mm. So um, so it you know it is very in some ways it's very Hollywood and very Los Angeles inspired and based. Uh, we definitely that was part of what we want to bring to it is like how do we take the story because the original poem is very it's very gritty feels very um, blue collar yeah but also like New York City yeah. like small brownstone mm-hmm. like sweaty. hot yeah. sweaty apartment and uh, we're in Los Angeles and kind of the ethos of this city is really different mm-hmm. so we really wanted to. Uh, take the idea and make it feel like a piece that's been specifically crafted for Los Angeles. Like, this is an L.A. show. Yeah. And the central characters of the narrative are Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald. So it's set in the time period where uh, Scott Fitzgerald was coming out to try his hand as a screenwriter. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's being hosted at uh, at the venue, uh, which is the Masonic Lodge in uh, Santa Monica, um, by Ramon Navarro, who was a, um, a famous uh, Latino um, actor of the time, uh, who, hap- who also happened to uh, be a Mason. So he's um, he's gathering all of the all of the people together for that evening. For- and one of the fun things about it too is a lot of people associate Fitzgerald's time in Hollywood uh, based more on the end of his career when he moved out here. Mm. But in the twenties, he did come out for a very short period, and he came out with Zelda. So later in his life, when he was out here, she wasn't around. But um, they came out as a couple in the twenties. Uh, he was here to essentially kind of write a treatment for a studio, and um, it went very awry. And it also, um, you know, I mean, like with so many. Uh, uh, historical figures that there's a lot of literature on, you know, depending what you read where, but there are certain things that kind of imply that uh, he has this affair or he, he begins what could be an affair with this young actress, Lois Moran, and uh, that was kind of his first documented, potentially, affair, whereas the rest, it was always kind of suspected stuff was going on, but this felt very kind of publicly 
known. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it is, we are uh, kind of working off this specific moment in history. And we're also it's before the, um, the, the stock market crash. So we really wanted to capture the twenties in that moment before. Before it all went to hell. Yeah. 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 And for I don't know, I don't know why you'd be like, wanting to capture the twenties in the moment right before it went to hell. Like, yeah. this is, like, what's, I, I hope people have fun, maybe. Yeah. I, like, for anyone who we is got fun, very, for anyone who is very familiar with the poem, you'll realize that there are absolutely no famous stars in the original text. But you'll know that there's a relationship between Queenie and Burge that is very uh, tumultuous, to put it euphemistically. Mm. So what we've essentially done is replace that relationship with F. Scott and Zelda, which had a similarly emotionally <laughs> abusive like yeah. connotation to it. So mm-hmm. that's that's sort of how it parallels what's happening. Also, the original poem definitely a lot of the guests at that party, well, not famous artists, are artistic types. So right. that was definitely kind of this idea that artists artists throw the best parties. Um, so <clears throat> you know, again, we we were working off that. We just made those specific people. How did this project come about? Because you're doing this for the Broad stage, uh, who are, it's their 10th anniversary, and this is sort of their 10th anniversary party. So you're making a fake party (laughs) for a real party that's celebrating a real event by celebrating a fake... So there's there's layers here. (laughs) What was the... Who's got the roadmap to, like, help you navigate this? Well... I think we should start by saying this This is an idea we've been sitting on for a while. Um, mm. It was something that we knew we always wanted to do. And like many of our shows, we're right, waiting for the right space or the right moment to, to kind of come up for us. Um, and the road approached us to uh, do a show with them. And we thought this might be a particularly good fit for what they were looking for. Mm. And it just seemed to kind of everything lined up and it gave us the kind of kick in the butt that we needed to get working on the script. <laughs> and, I, and I also think, uh, you know, we'll get to Kansas later, but we've been spending a lot of time and energy in Kansas and mm-hmm. uh, it, uh, it contrasts nicely with it. It's definitely a very different piece and I think it's been exciting for us to, to kind of work on something that feels very different as well. So, I mean, just in structure, we're, Kansas is such an intimate show, and this show is for 100 audience members at a time. It's a big, it's a big group of actors, <clears throat> live musicians. There is dancing. Big, there, a multi-layer, leveled space, you know. We have d- deep, dark moments and very, very funny, lighthearted moments. So it kind of gives you a little bit of everything. In terms of scale, um, where does this fit on the continuum of like project size for like the, the show itself that you guys have done? I mean, I think this is this will be the largest scale piece certainly that we've done since Ebenezer, and I think it's more. But script wise, yeah. by far, content wise, it is the largest show that we've done. We do have twenty two actors. They all are in every moment of the show. So each actor has an hour and a half worth of material, and they are definitely not all in the same room at the same time. Mm. <laughs> there so there's are, one point at which there are 15 different tracks going on simultaneously in the space. And, and how, how many guests are, are allotted? 
for this. So it's uh, 22 100. actors, 100. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's a pretty good ratio. Yeah, which was I, w- was really important to us because even on these larger scale ones, we feel like one of the kind of hallmarks of our work is that we try to really maintain that sense of intimacy. So uh, even though it's a big space and a lot of audience members, we really want to make people feel like they're having intimate moments, and which the poem itself is very intimate because mm. it's in this very small space. So how could we try to do that? Yeah you know, generate that feeling. So we do have scenes where everyone is in the same room, and then we have scenes where you will possibly be one actor with one audience member. When you guys were going through and you you shifted it to LA, you decided it was gonna be F. Scott and Zelda, and then you started casting around for other characters. Like, was there some chicken and egg, egg going on that you were like looking at actors and matching them to characters, or did you have like your sense of like this is this is the the set we want to do. Well, uh, one thing that was really important to us in this piece was to have a diverse set of characters. Mm. Um, so that was definitely a mission of ours in the casting process was finding uh, people of color who would have been prominent in that time period, and, and then also uh, doing some cross uh, cross racial casting. So actually, F. Scott Fitzgerald is being played <coughs> by an Indian man in this piece. And we wanted to allow uh, for that highlighting of, of diversity in performers and diversity of stories um, as well. Uh, but we, we actually approached the casting process by allowing the auditioning actors to choose a character that they wanted to represent from a list that we provided. There were probably about 50 different, 50 plus different artists, stars, musicians, producers from that time period. So someone would come in and audition as Cab Calloway or as Josephine Baker. Um, and then we, uh, for callbacks, helped refine those those choices a little bit, um, but then cast people uh, to make sure that we had a good diver- Not everyone was an actor, not everyone is a musician, um, so that we have a wide, wide array of different artistic types in the piece. But also that allowed us to really use the actors that we felt were the strongest and choose characters that really suited them Mm. and then we wrote from there instead of we definitely did not have a list of 22 characters and then we then went out and found the actors for that we really kind of let them bring like oh what are they interested in let's see who they're interested in and see if that lines up with how we're thinking of. yeah i think the only three characters that we knew we wanted to have in the show to begin with were scott and zelda and hemingway and Lois. And Lois, and that's Lois, right, so yeah. four. Yeah, those were kind of the core four, and then we, we built up from, there. from yeah. there. This goes up on the 3rd of February? That's correct. Right? Yeah. Two performances, one night. Um, <clears throat> when did you start casting? Because that was... I remember it was it was not it was back summer. in the summer, <laughs> yeah. 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 But um, like a lot of our shows, you know, because we very much like to create around the... Um, the ensemble, we we cast it, we then did a couple workshops to start generating material, particularly because uh, not everyone in the piece was playing a, a famous person from history. We were creating some, um, some original characters as well, and so we did uh, two small workshops, um, and then we, from there, wrote the script. So... We needed to give ourselves a little, a little time. And read through all the material in December, and then our na- we launched into, uh, into rehearsals in January after the holidays. 
Is this one of your longer gestation periods <clears throat> because of the scale, or or is it matching? Does it match up with like Johnny Two or Johnny Three or? Johnny is so unique because we, you know, it was three years and we lived with it for so long. And I think we maybe even did a workshop for Johnny before we even started working on what was Johnny one. Mm. We so Johnny, Johnny will always be a unique. uh, There were some ideas that we had come up with when we were working on Johnny one that we didn't use for one or two that made its way into three. So in some ways it feels like for three, it was a three year process, but this is is much longer than can't we work on Kansas for sure. or the or then we worked on the hollow or mm-hmm. Ebenezer I think yeah. Yeah, this is a longer period I think yeah mm. what if you feel like you've learned this time out or are there are there are there things are you experimenting is this a is this sort of a refining the formula or is this a, a kicking down the door and trying some some new pants on well I'm sure if you if you spoke to us again uh, after <laughs> uh, after uh, the first weekend in February we would maybe have a slightly different answer but I think right now we really are um, using a lot of techniques ideas uh, forms we've worked with before but we're um, combining them in, in new ways mm-hmm. and uh, this is very much lessons we have learned from the past are very much informing choices we're making this time around right. so I, I, I hear the choices have consequences <laughs> <laughs> and by the way choices have consequences but um, but so I really think this is is us trying to take um, you know, I look at Ebenezer, which was one of our earlier shows, and, you know, we did it twice, and we definitely refined and learned lessons in the first one that we applied to the second. You know, lessons from that second one is feeding into this. But this is an interesting piece because it's not, um, well, it's kind of sandbox. It's also very much not. Mm-hmm. It's tracked, but it's also not entirely tracked. It, it's, it's, it's living in a lot of different um modes Mm. and uh, I think that's part of what makes it exciting and will again hopefully really help us be able to create an intimate and unique experience for a super large audience Um, but it's very much working in a kind of refined trying to refine these techniques and bring them all together And, and part of the part of the impetus of the experimentation is looking at uh, the possibility of creating something that might be a longer running experience. So drawing inspirations from things like the Willows, uh, which has obviously dipped their toe into trying to create a, a year-round thing. And, and we're wondering, you know, could, could Wild Party become our year-round experience? Uh, so trying to, trying to refine the, what we've learned in order to create something of that nature. So does that mean you guys have, like... Even though this is sort of a work for hire in the in the event, you guys have like the full control of the IP. We do. It's 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 a very um, the broad was very generous with us, and so yeah, we own the show. Uh, There's a period of time that we can't uh, remount it within, but once Mm -hmm. that passes, you know everything we've created does belong to the company, which is which is exciting. We definitely are in our minds. We'll be moving forward with it in the future. That that'll be an interesting conversation to come back around to afterwards. Sort of like, because uh, like a few questions just <clears throat> pop out of the ether for me on on how that might work. But having not seen the piece itself, I'm sure some of those questions will be answered just through observation. Um, and and part of what's nice too is because there is this 
kind of holding period afterwards, and we have a pretty aggressive lineup for Kansas coming up. Just a tiny bit aggressive. Just, just a tiny bit aggressive, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but it actually... You should see Genevieve's face right now. She did some jazz hands. You should part of it. see our calendar. <laughs> but, um, oh, we've seen some of the calendar, but not all of it. But yeah, you've seen a tiny portion mm. of the calendar. But it's actually great, because it means we, you know, this is a brand new show for us. We're, you know, creating all new content for it. There is something that you can only you can only really finally know how it lands and works once you put it up for an audience, right? So I think it'll be really great for us. We're very excited to share it, and we're excited then to have a period to be able to digest it and think about, uh, though we know we want to carry it forward, does it want to evolve, change, adapt? You know, there's a lot of things that it, it's great to actually have, to know you're going to have some space to think about that before you're going to immediately dive into keeping it going, so... Yeah, it feels like such a gift to, yeah, to have actually this time. Yeah. Um, how how did how did it come about? How did the Broad like find you guys? Like they <clears throat> they cold called called us, uh, which was pretty amazing. Um, uh, Carolyn, uh, who works with the artistic team at the Broad, had seen an immersive piece from a Polish company um, that was very deep and dark and heavy and dealt with prisoner of war camps and gulags and things of that nature, but was really an eye-opening experience for her. Just this side of a LARP about being locked in prison, I imagine. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And, and so trying to figure out uh, something that would be appropriate for their audiences um, but but could really establish them as an organization that was forward thinking and looking at new ways of working she started investigating what companies were were doing that work locally and she mm. found us and reached out to us and Thank we maker. yeah it was wonderful yeah. and we happened to be uh, doing the key at the time so we were able to invite her to actually see some of our work um, and she loved it um, so from there we were handed off um, to their development team because it is a, a fundraising gala uh, right. for uh, some of their uh, donors, but also obviously tickets are, are open to the general public as well. Um, and we've been working uh, primarily with that development team um, in setting up the piece for performance. Are the are the this is such a weird question to, to ask and maybe maybe you don't even know the answer. Are the because there's two instances. Is there like a public instance and a donor instance, or is there is it all just everyone <clears throat> mixed in together like a big old salad? I think they've uh, I uh, I think what they've done is they started releasing notification in waves. Mm. So it initially went out as an option for some of the bigger ticket donors uh, to uh, if you donate at X level, you can choose from all of these special experiences that we've created, um, and so those people kind of got the first crack at it. And then uh, they did a general release. Um, so some of our fans were able to jump in early and follow us over. Um, and now they are sending out to their entire mailing list to make them aware of it as well. So Get everyone get a taste. It's nice to hear that they decided to farm locally. Because yeah. there's, there's a lot of people... I mean, it's, the temptation is to like bring folks from out of town. Because um, it just feels like there's this long-standing disconnect in L.A. between sort of the street-level theater, oh, God, I can't believe I just said that, and <laughs> and the institutions, right? So, like, that they just don't necessarily, you know, have people... Because, you know, it's, it, there's there's almost no value in in a theater company, like, in a big theater company, hunting around for, for something small out there that might, might be really interesting. And, and every single one of those small companies is really kind of aimed at, oh, can we... 
can we get picked up by a development house out in New York or like go to someplace like, I don't know, like Berkeley Rep that has a reputation for feeding Broadway or feeding off Broadway as opposed to off off Broadway. And we're like off 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 off. Take a train, take a plane, crawl on your knees, Broadway. Well, I think I think they've been pleased uh, by the response that the show has been getting. Um, so uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, it's something that we'll see more big houses be interested in producing in LA, um, so that we'll we'll have more more major backing and reach new audiences for immersive pieces in the future. And, and Maker Notes, it feels like. It feels like we've got a lot of momentum this year, right now. I mean, we. This is Saturday the thirteenth. I did the newsletter this morning, and it looks like an October newsletter, mm-hmm. and it's like January, right? And that's because like you guys are in it twice. <laughs> uh, the Willows is back. About to be three times. Zom- <clears throat> zombie. Ju- did you just say about to be three times? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Matthew, yeah. with the Willis, spoilers. Willis, uh, we're gonna do a, a tiny little stronger remake. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, knew, I knew about. I knew about that. Like, yeah. you know. Um, well, how could, will it? When are you guys gonna be doing that? Like late? You know, just just. Julian no, not shaking. late. We're gonna do it immediately after uh, Wild Party. So fe- oh wow! February fifth is the date that's locked. <laughs> so what do you mean immediately? You mean two days later on a Monday? We are absolutely perfectly sane. How? There's nothing wrong with us. I noticed very stable genius. I noticed your cats aren't here because they've moved out and gone to college, and you guys just seem to be like looking for things to do now that they're out of the house. Yeah. Um, we hope to add some more dates to that February 5th date. We know that is definitely happening and tickets will go on sale for that soon, but we're, we're hoping to get a couple other days on the books before we release any tickets. Yeah, I guess technically you probably will be in like three things in the... <laughs> Lord mercy. But, but we're Lord also, mercy. we are really excited to bring The Stronger back. You know, it, oh, yeah, it, it's, it's one, of our, one of our favorites. And it's actually, we realized it's been a long time since we've... Um, we've done it. so And um, because the throughput is so low, there are so many people that have seen our other pieces that haven't had an opportunity to see the stronger. So right. um, we want to showcase that and showcase different performers. But it's also a really good introduction to y'all's style, mm-hmm. to this I- and to the idea of this type of immersive work, mm-hmm. right? Like that it can be driven by the script but it can still be connected and create a sense of presence just through just through you know a more passive engagement with 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 an actor right mm-hmm. you know and 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 that's what's always been interesting about your work is that it fits on a part of the continuum that other people you know don't have like their thumb on right you know you're not you're not doing what Annie Saunders does in the day shall declare it even though she's like she's using language you're not doing what sleep no more you're not doing what third rail does with their pieces right which are kind of more to the to the movement dance based and you, and you're definitely not doing sort of the linear stuff that a boxcar does with their production of of speakeasy up in San Francisco which is a, a linear you know very you know controlled piece um, that 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 you know doesn't leave a lot of room for interaction because you know like it's a it's a Rube Goldberg machine that everything's got to got to fit into the right spot. Um, you guys are, are are occupying a niche, and so much of the DNA of what you do is reflected in the stronger. And it's in relatively inexpensive ticket, and it's like twenty yeah. minutes out of your life, and 
And then you get to go have a cocktail and you know kind of kind of go like, oh wow, that's that's a thing that can actually happen. Mm-hmm. So and like so many of our shows, there is that <clears throat> variability factor. So you come with somebody else, they're not going to have the same experience as you. So right. that 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 post show digestion. Um, is something I think that is also a part of the DNA of the pieces that we make. That's something that we really kind of prize about the work. Yeah. When you say showcase some different actors, so you brought new people in for the pieces? Well, or? so The Stronger has, uh, I think we have six or seven people okay. that have, have learned all of the monologues over time, and probably five of there them. There are five monologues total. Yeah, okay, yeah, and I think five of them are, are here in LA right now and present and you know, tappable. Uh, so, and some of them are people who we haven't had a chance to work with for a while. So, um, there'll be a couple uh, familiar but but distant faces in this uh, stronger remount. So, and is that going to be something that people are going to know, or is it going to be like the random roll of the dice? So, if I was like, "Oh, hey, I've seen it," or is it that a total back channel thing? Not that I want to like. I mean, I do want to, but I like, I, don't, I, I, I yeah. No, I mean, I think it's like when we, whenever, if someone's a return guest, if we can try to curate and make sure that you're yeah. you're experiencing something new, we, we do really try to make an effort to do that. I think, you know, to be, to protect ourselves, we're not, we, we aren't going to guarantee. Right. Because that's just, yeah. by the nature of the work... By the nature of immersive work, it's sometimes hard to guarantee uh, yeah. <laughs> guarantee uh, well, anything a hundred percent ninety eight. Well, it's um, not going to be like the way Clue was, like the movie Clue back in the eighties, where there's like four different endings, like A, B, C, D, right? It's like, oh, I want the D track this time, right? It, so it won't be using that kind of mechanism. So, but yeah. but we do, and and that's um, yeah, it is something we try to. Yeah, but also like it's one of those things where like I encourage people to not necessarily like take a, a triple dip right you know like willow's just got um is is coming back dropping tickets on the same day that you guys are dropping tickets on on kansas because everything has happened at the same moment <laughs> um and uh and I, I hear people already saying like oh i can't wait to go back and i'm like oh let somebody else go yeah come on i haven't i haven't seen it yet i need yeah. to get a ticket same one for me please <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously. Justin, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, true. Yeah. As a back channel. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll make that happen somehow. Yeah. Um, well, and it's, it, I mean, I think it brings up such an interesting question of, like, viewership, though, right? right. Because, um, you know, part of what I love about an immersive experience is the mystery of it, right? The first time you go to a show and you maybe mm. have expectations, but you just haven't seen it yet. Oh, yeah. So, but then it's, it's almost like the collector mentality, too, right? Where it's like... I want all the endings. I want to know all the variations. I want to see all the so. It, and it's 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 interesting because I feel like there are some audience members who they are collectors. They they that's part of their enjoyment is getting every single option. You know, having yeah. it, having a, what are those things you collect in um, Pokemon. I guess you collect a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're saying what collections I yeah. collect? Like, oh god, don't don't call me out. But jeez. Um, but uh, and then on the other side, I think you probably have people where it's like, no, really, for them, they should go once, have that magical experience of it, and then they should probably go see a different show because yeah. um, I think you know, for some people, the the revisit's gonna gonna make it better, and for some people, actually, the revisit might like start to. I don't know. It's all about viewership and yeah, what no, you want totally out does. of it and what excites you. Because immersive, so many different people are excited by different elements of it. It isn't the same thing bringing us all into the room. Well, it's it's funny. It's like if I think it also depends on the piece, right? Like if the piece is constructed in a way, you know, around more around moments, um, 
and, and not say as much about story. I think if those moments are executed really well, yeah, there's like a little bit of a diminishing, you know, return. Like, it's not... I'll go there. It's not like the first time you make out with someone, but like you go back in and you make out with them again. And it's like, it was good the first time. It might, it might be pretty good. It's like the third or fourth time, like it better just be a relationship at that point, you know? Like otherwise you're just kind of like, why are we doing this? Are we, are we seriously committed at this point? And, and, and like, I know all your tricks, right? Like it's, it's about something more than, then everyone is really cracking up. This. Something He's to contemplate as Valentine's Day approaches. <laughs> You're such a gentleman. What? <laughs> we better be in relationship <clears throat> by the third kiss. No, I third, like your third style. Major. Hey, like relationships can be a lot of different things, though. Like, let's just you know. Unlike, anyway, I, I I'm would cutting myself off. But, but <laughs> taking it back on theme, that is one of the themes that uh, shows up in Wild Party. That relationship. There's a makeout room. No. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, 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 but um, but this idea that um, relationships can take a lot of different forms and mm. shapes, and uh, that's definitely something that's kind of interrogated by some of the characters within the piece of right. what we think a relationship's supposed to look like. What. What are all the different forms love can take, and mm. and what does that mean uh, for yourself, for the person you love? How do you um, how do you engage with it? Um, the, the, so thematically, that's 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 part of our that's part true. of our, our our dialogue going down on Ooh. it. <laughs> I'm gonna let the pun go. Recording forever. Oh no. Oh, oh God! Oh, that's that's probably the the highest the the thing has ever peaked before. <laughs> um, moving right along, this isn't uh, this is not an after dark episode to clarify. Uh, we're drinking tea, mind yeah. you. Just think if we were drinking something more serious. Um, oh well, actually, here's a question: Like, uh, will uh, it's it's a jazz age party? Will the booze be flowing, or will it be dry for um, for the guests? I mean, story-wise, uh, you obtaining it is uh, is you know under under the radar. But yes, it will be available to guests, and it is um, uh, you know they don't have to pay for the drinks. It's part of their ticket included right. in the ticket. That right. and there is there is uh, well, it's not a full dinner. There there's going to be food there. So gotta soak it up somehow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Story-wise, just to explain for anyone who's not totally familiar with that time period, uh, this was when prohibition was in effect. So <clears throat> everyone turned a blind eye to drinking. Yeah. Because it definitely still happened a lot. Everyone's an alcoholic in the 20s. Yep. <laughs> well, and then, I mean, and planning, because this is, this is a party, right? Yeah. Like, at it's, <clears throat> it's a party, it's a gala. People expect, um, you know, how are you designing with that in mind? Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the, one of the guiding principles that we were given by the Broad Stage <clears throat> was, you know, we're not afraid of it, of it getting dark, of it getting sexy, but it definitely still needs to be fun. So I think we were trying to straddle that 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 uh, line of making sure that we're able to talk about real issues, delve into serious content, but it's still a very fun and enjoyable experience. Um, you know, I thought I thought Johnny was a lot of fun, but it's not. <laughs> but it's it's well, not it's saying that it's not <laughs> quite it's not quite it's not quite like that. But yeah. but I think it's you know like any any party has an arc. You know, we right. we've all been to to parties and and well they there's the there's kind of the fun part of the evening and then there's that part of the evening where sometimes you know things might go a little too far things go too far maybe you know the alcohol is starting
starting to set in and right. to a kind of different side of the And then the there's experience. that moment of regret. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and like, I mean, that's what I'm asking. Like, are you thinking about how the booze lands on the audience? Right? That's that's the question. I mean, it's it's a 90-minute experience. So at the end of the day, you don't Unless have... Unless they pregame. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's true. true. That, that, is, that is true. But, but, um, <laughs> but uh, so to a certain extent, you know, the, the, the show kind of is an all-night party consolidated into 90 minutes. And, and, there, and, and there, are shows, there are shows that have been active in L.A. recently uh, during, for which drinking is a basic function of the experience. And I would say that drinking is not necessarily a function of this experience. It's not about drinking as an audience member. Um, but, but alcohol is there. It's present. It, it is hopefully going to be more present uh, in the fictional lives of the performers than it is in the actual lives of the audience members. And also, like the, because the show is on its feet for a large portion of it, there's only certain times that the audience has access to the alcohol. Oh, that's good. Uh, so yeah. it's not like they'll be walking around carrying wine and champagne all night. Okay, yeah. So it's not like there's a tiki bar you can just roll up to it and get right. mm-hmm. no. just get a, get no. a Mai Tai. So. No, that sounds delicious. Yeah. No. I, but I will say that I'm totally late chiming in on this one, I, that we had a lot of discussions going into it about how to make it a, like a party, but still cover these themes that we wanted. So we do, we very much, we we're very cognizant of the fact that it is a party and everyone is there to have fun at some extent. Yeah. So that is, there's singing and there's dancing and people will have fun with you when they're feeling happy in their story arcs. But just, just like any party, I feel like you know, if, you're, if it's a party in a house, you walk into one room, there's a particular vibe going on in that one room. And yeah. if you leave and go to a different room, it feels very different. Yeah. So I think that people will encounter that... Different energies. Yeah. You know, throughout the evening. Depending on which rooms they end up in. Yeah. Let's shift over um, and talk Kansas. Because... Uh, you're remounting all four in March, mm-hmm. right? Um, tickets for that go on sale. Well, they, they've all been on sale by the time this airs. Um, and this is all leading up to the, the next chapter. So what's the, what's the, what's the plan, Stan? Well, we sat down and when we were doing kind of our season planning or one of our company lock-ins and talked about, all right, so what are we going to do about Kansas? Because people really seem to love Kansas. We love doing Kansas. It's been it's been uh, very for, successful for us as a company. And for those who don't know, yeah. who, who might be like just <clears throat> tuning in to figure out, like sure. we, we often treat this as like it's the middle of a conversation that's been running for four years, because it is. Um, Kansas is the Kansas collection. It is your adaptation of material from the Oz books. That's right. Uh, it's an original story based on based on a wide swath of that material. And it's delivered in an episodic fashion. The the performances are shorter, so thirty minute experiences as opposed to you know full full scale pieces. Um, but what we're doing in March is presenting all of those in sequence. Uh, whereas previously we were creating them as we went. So people were waiting two months, three months in between chapters. Now they'll have a chance to go through one, two, three, four, all within the course of a month. And part of the idea with this contained remount also was we're leading up to five. And five will um, structurally be somewhat different Mm -hmm. than the first four. It's going to be a larger experience. Um, A longer experience. A a larger, longer experience. So um, this is our last remount before this kind of much more it's kind much of our, more sizable yeah it's our uh, mid it's our mid-season finale um, <clears throat> uh, will be five and then we'll pivot at that point 
to, to move forward from five into the rest of the series. So And it won't be week to week, but after that, we're hoping that six through ten, ten nine or ten, I'm not going to convince myself either way on that tonight. But the, uh, <laughs> I, for the rest of the series, then, we're hoping to do it on a more month-to-month basis to satisfy the desire of... of audiences who want the story yeah and then because we are truly insane when we reach that final chapter we may remount again all the way from the beginning but that's 2019 yeah so that's well but that's the thing it's like you've got this material and you know why not use it right well particularly because people seem excited about it engaged with it you know if if we'd made this and no one Responded, responded to it, obviously, then we, right. we wouldn't, yeah. but it, it seems like there's um, it's tapped into to, to something for our view, for our audience and viewers, and, and I feel like it's actually been one of those shows that's really helped encourage uh, new people to the immersive scene. Yeah. And I think I, I liked what you were saying earlier about kind of the niche that some of our pieces occupy, because I think the pieces that I've responded to most strongly are the pieces that occupy that space between. Um, so things like The Nest. It's not an escape room. It's not a full narrative Your experience. Your voice was in that. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I, I forget about that. I speak about it as, as an audience member, not as someone who was a voice actor in that. But uh, but yeah, of course. But, but I think that that's true of Kansas as well, because there are... ARX elements to that. There are are elements that uh, move beyond a traditional uh, theater experience and definitely bring in some gameplay um, and and role role playing on the audience's part, where you can really engage in this character that you're building yourself through your choices. And I think that that's part of the reason that people have responded so strongly to that. We we love how passionate people are about these characters. Yeah. You know, you guys would you guys would get to be more passionate to get about XP at the end of every episode. Yeah, that's right? true. Like, You've leveled up. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about just thinking about little 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 experience point coins. So that's so. Is it going to be? You said like mid season finale, and then hoping to get more on a month to month. But does that mean that there's like? You guys are giving yourself a development break, or you're just sort of going to try and treat this like it's it's a it's a it's a TV series ish type. We're, deal. we're gonna we're gonna take a minute after five, yeah. our mid season finale, uh, to finish writing the rest. Gotcha. Yeah. We we know we know exact we know what's happening in the story, and we're very excited to share it with you all. Wow, uh, that's but we better than some movie studios. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so we but we want to take a minute so we can write it so that the story does land. Well, the point that we wanted to definitely, and I and I think also part of it is we think people would uh, would and this is us just uh, making taking a, a guess taking a guess, but that people would rather than have a chunk of time off and then be able to kind of see the second half of the series through without the big gaps in between. And right. So take some time, make the rest of the series, and then release it kind of in a in a, a single pass. Does make sense I, to me. I I I, I I'll. Put the teaser out there that enough happens in five that you'll probably want to take a minute to process to process things. But it, it does mean, and we addressed this during the company meeting too, that we are basically gonna be doing Kansas through most of, of 2018. Um, so that's going to be our main focus for the year. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I did that to you guys. No, please <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. Thank you for inviting us. No, that's what the me drinking. And, 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 and Owen's famous it's last words. I mean, yeah. it's our intention. Yeah. We, we we love Kansas, and we'd really like to put concentrated energy onto that. But 
stuff. We have a lot of other irons in the fire right. too. That so anything yeah. could, could yeah. pop up. But. You know, and and it's not like you're about to throw a party for a bunch of people of means or anything. Yeah. Like that. So it could change the course of mighty rivers. Just knock on wood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people from Kansas who are also cast in. Wild party. Oh, for a second, uh, you meant actually from Kansas. No, so, no, 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 I know that one no, is just one. So. Is. Uh, but it, what I will say is fun is uh, the how many sidebars I've had at the wild rehearsals where actors will pull me aside and ask what happens to their characters. <laughs> in Kansas collection. I think that's also worth saying too. You know, yeah. if you have actors you really enjoy seeing in our in our work. I'll, a lot of them are in a wild party, so if you, you it's it's always fun to get to see good. them. Uh, but it's it's always I always <clears throat> love getting to see someone play a very different character or in a really different type of role. And you know, um, our actors are, are are just really strong. And uh, so yeah, I think it's it's exciting to get to see them in in, in very different sorts of hats and in in very different situations. And you've also brought new people into the fold this time. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. One other other thing about Kansas that might be worth mentioning for people who are listening outside of LA is that we are looking at possibilities of touring parts of Kansas. So uh, specifically chatting with folks up in San Francisco about maybe bringing uh, the first four chapters up there. Um, uh, and uh, we're always open to that possibility. So if anyone wants to chat with us about yeah. bringing Kansas to your city, there's 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 something interesting about you know the, the short form thing and finding a way to like make it modular or finding a way to like seed it in other places, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like once you have a stable matrix. I mean, that was one of the things that we, you know, early on we had a little one of those little meetings at um, at Two Bit Circus, and like someone came in from New York and was like, "I'm really interested. In, like, how do we make this a package to like you know pop into other places?" So is that? I mean, would you guys, for instance, ever consider if someone said like, "Oh, hey, I'd love to do this in Houston," um, you know, could you guys come and mount it with our people, or are you guys sort of like, "This is," is this something that you'd be willing to uh, franchise? Franchise. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. We haven't really thought about that. I, I think that's like. We we'd be willing to consider a lot of things. <laughs> <I know. laughs> no, but but so it's something like I don't think we would <coughs> say like a firm no immediately. Right. Um. But you know, uh, I think on one level we want to we definitely want to see it through here in LA. You know, you we'd mm. we'd want to make sure Chapter Ten was seen first first here. Um. But I think there there's a lot of possibility there, and I think there's also well we're looking at nine or ten chapters for this LA version. You know, there are we've we've had internal questions about. Are there ways to make a more modular version that's right. that's potentially something people could experience in a single evening? Likewise, though, if there was someone who was really excited about the series, it, I mean, there's no reason it couldn't be franchised and be a standalone thing. Yeah, that's a whole question, though, I, and, and we could do a whole other podcast on this, this idea of what is authorship in uh, immersive work, and uh, is it mm. the script, is it the directorial eye, you know, at, at what point? Would how how much would we need to have hands on it to then give it to right. somebody else? Is it just that it's different performers and a different production team running it? Um, I'm I'm very curious in those kinds of questions because I think we'll get to that point yeah. uh, with with immersive pieces certainly. Well, and then there's also when something's you know comes out of a, dev, a devising process, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys do devise and then go back to script. Like how much of you know some ideas like the actors, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something I know that particularly in New York, there's a lot of struggling around of like you know. You know, somebody originated that role of, you know, like in a piece that's in a very you know, large production that's getting a lot of money and like they're not seeing any of it, right? Well, so and, ownership. And, there, and right? I do think that's an important, so like Johnny, which we created through a very devised workshop process, 
if we were doing a remount of that that was not in Los Angeles, that would be a very different conversation in relationship to that versus something like Kansas. Mm. Kansas is something that we did, it's been created entirely internally. Mm. Uh, there's been no development workshops to create material for it. So it's interesting because it's like that conversation about Kansas would actually function differently. And yet what's so funny is that I would argue that the, the roles in Kansas are so inextricably linked to those actors in a way that you could replace some of the roles in Johnny more easily. Though I completely understand what you're saying about the the, the it's contribution. The ownership over the artistic ownership. Absolutely right. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and and, 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 and you can't know, getting surprised, right? You know, yeah. like you find a perfect actor to place, you know, to like step into the role, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh my goodness, you're like, you know, they're amazing. Well, yeah. and, I, and I also think part of it too is like. Uh, if someone hasn't met that character played by the original actor before, you know, it's, it's yeah. going to be a standalone thing in New York. Um, there's no reason that, you know, You're that person... have those associations yeah. with that other actor yeah. that's going to color this up. For sure. Yeah. Anyway. No, and that's, and that's one of the... That's, I mean, that's one of the things that's fascinating about theater that you often see... Because when they, when they recast in film, it causes all these paroxysms of, of just, like... G- 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 Angst, right? You know, like you can't make Batman Ben Affleck. He's Christian Bale. You can't make Batman Christian Bale. He's George. Okay, you can do the George Clooney one, but like <laughs> Michael Keaton, right? You know, there's these these things. And, and I remember when Michael Keaton got the role, you know, and the there were there were. Dr. Demento songs about how good Adam West was and how we didn't want <laughs> Michael... We didn't want Mr. Mom playing wow. Batman. That wow. was like being played on the weirdo radio. And you cut to a couple of years later where it's like, how dare Val Kilmer play this yeah. role? It's like realize that the role is bigger than the actor. Yeah. Like the fun is watching the new actor yeah. take on a role. Well, and, and theatrically, to your point, how many <coughs> how many people have been Willie Loman? How many people right. have been Blanche? You yeah. know, it's throughout. It's Although there is the, the whole Broadway thing of like, you know, the second the stars walk away from a show, the show collapses, mm-hmm. right? You know, which, which, you know, even when it's, I mean, you know, uh, I remember when The King and I was... Was about till it did go on tour. I think it's still on tour. But when Ken Watanabe and uh, whoever was playing Anna in that production, sorry, but it was a really famous Broadway actress. But like I don't know Broadway actors, but I know Ken Watanabe. Um, as as soon as they like, what was it? It was like the Tonys came up. They didn't win anything. They had already stepped away, and then like almost instantly, it was like we're closing the show, mm-hmm. right? You know, like it's going to go on tour, and that's fine. But we're closing the Broadway show mm-hmm. because. No one wants to see the third understudy play, you know, play the king. Even though they are supremely talented. I'm even sure. though they're supremely talented and then they go on and maybe they even headline yeah. or like a major role in the touring production and everyone loves the show, but it's a but Broadway is a star driven yeah. business, right? But I think it, a lot of it's just about um, people wanting to see the piece. Like I think about the Harry Potter franchise for the movies, right? Dumbledore. Right. was recast, you know, because the actor passed away. Yeah. And I think if people had, had, oh, you only get a couple Harry Potter movies and then we're actually going to stop the series because that that actor is... It, it, yeah. It's about the story, actually, right? Yeah. It was about, actually, the larger story world being created. And- Although, flip side, like, we pretty much know that there's no way in hell they'd recast Leia for episode nine. I, I was thinking about that yeah. right now. Where Yeah, it's like, even though all indications were that the next movie was going to, you know, put her front and center in a way that, you know, this one put Mark and the prior one put Harrison, and, like, that option's gone... And even though the story might call for it in a real way, 
Um, it, it's, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Like, will would the if they had recast it and stuck with the original story, would that have actually honored where where the piece needed to go? Right. Potentially. I mean, yeah. I mean, we People, will never know, right? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll but, never know. Uh, but it's it's an interesting... Maybe in 30 years when they remake the whole damn movie, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, be like, well, here's what we were going to do, you know? Um, which if they remake the prequels, I'll be happy. This came out Star Wars. It always comes down to Star Wars. <laughs> it's, on, it's on the mind right Sorry, now. Sorry, yeah. it's my fault. I'm yeah. only wearing a wristband that says Star Wars on it. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a VR thing, though, so it's, a, it's all on game. Um... We're 51 minutes in. We've talked about the two shows that are coming. We've talked about how crazy your schedule is going to be. But we are in this sort of new frontier era for Immersive. What are you all excited about? Um, either seeing in the specific or in <coughs> the, the theoretical um, for this year. Be it in L.A. Or, or getting outside of town. You know, A lot of people all over the planet apparently listen to this thing which freaks me out i'll admit that when we're in the middle of doing a show i lose all track of my calendar and like what's supposed to be coming out and like what's happening like and it's not until one of these other people is like hey you should probably go see that that i'm like oh that's even happening right now mm. so i'll i'm always i'm never i'm not aware <laughs> and it's no one's fault but i'm just like well so, similarly in it yeah, here's a newsletter okay. right. no there is a newsletter it's great <laughs> My brain is just occupied. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. I would say he's being a joke. Well, I mean, I think it is easy when you're. This is the classic art, artist dilemma. You're so busy oh, creating God, yeah. that you uh, that you kind of fall behind uh, in in terms of seeing. And I've definitely uh, fell prey to that. So I, you know, I'm excited to go check out the Willows uh, in their remount. I'm so also you've mentioned so. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I mentioned. I, well, but I'm also excited. Uh, you said specifics, and then we'll talk yeah, yeah, general yeah. too. I'm also really excited for. Um, Checking out what they're going to do with Ghost Town Alive oh, yeah. uh, down Have at Knott's. I haven't been yet. <gasps> so, so that that's what I yeah exactly. So I and and seeing the way in which because obviously there's all this buzz about how Star Wars Land is going to function in an immersive model or how the hotel at Disney World is going to function in an immersive model and uh, yeah and I'm curious I'm really curious to see how major theme parks are going to start employing some of these techniques uh, as we move forward. So that's one that's one interest that I have I guess. Um, I'd say uh, we, we do have a couple tickets to do the, the Star Wars VR Void experience, so we got that coming yep. up. Um, also, we, we have talked as a company about maybe road tripping to, to check out Meow Wolf, and mm -hmm. um, particularly with their big announcement, it feels like it'd be great to, to see what it's about. I, yeah. I, I hear great things about it. I've, I've wanted to go, so, you know, maybe if we take a little break. <laughs> yeah. But well, and I, I keep on thinking about all of us renting a bus or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd like be great. Party bus trip for the team. Yeah, party bus. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so many of the companies locally, you know, are creating such interesting work <coughs> and uh, excited to see what, what they're going to be coming up with in the future, um, you know, and hopeful that we'll have some time and space to be able to actually go and see them, so. Yeah, yeah and, and the runs are still relatively short for right. anything, so it's right. hard you know, and that's and that even means like when it's time to like bring in a test audience of artists, it's like there's there's almost never any time for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's one of the more difficult things that we sort of all face. Mm -hmm. um, all right, is there um, anything else on the brain tonight, y'all? 
I mean, we definitely stepped straight into this out of out of a rehearsal, so I'd say <laughs> probably I'd not. Say, yeah. <laughs> just because it is a public forum, I think it's worth just saying like I like uh, none of it would be possible for us without the amazing cast and crew that's been helping us Absolutely. on all of our what fourteen shows in the past five years. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, so just to have a, a hallmark moment there, and it's lovely to see the way in which different companies and different collaborators are starting to come together. Where you know it's worth it to say we're lucky enough to have. Uh, Lauren Ludwig from Capital W helping us out with uh, some assistant directing on this piece, which was, uh, we've been admiring one another's work for a long time. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to see their work in the past, you should definitely check that out. I will say that's one of the things that I am most excited about in this coming year is starting to see now that companies are actually getting to know each other, Mm -hmm. to see where cross-pollination starts to happen and working with each other and, and hopefully building things that are bigger than our our little small groups that are all on the outside, like how do we start to come together? Well, it's the larger criticism of Los Angeles, right? That Los Angeles is a series of neighborhoods that sit next to one another, not a full city. And I guess we're trying to build the cityscape of immersive by connecting those neighborhoods together. Like very, very consciously like fighting against a a balkanization, you know, and that's, that's something you can see in a lot of art scenes you know, anywhere, right? You know, the, there, you don't tend to have that cross-pollinization. You have people kind of carve up their own little fiefdoms. And I don't know, it's like, it's 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 a priority for me. I'll just put it that way. I feel like, too, what, like ideas that we have for future work and in my head where I see us wanting to go, there's no way we can do it all by ourselves. No. <laughs> there's no. just no way. And I, I think that we will be... We will be stronger together. So I'm excited to work with some people we've not worked with before and and to see how those relationships develop. If people want to come to this, and by this I mean either Wild Party or Kansas Collections Remount, uh, how do they find those and how do they find you in general? Yeah, the easiest way to find us is either through Facebook or through our website. Uh, our website is www.speakeasysociety.com, and we have ticketing links uh, for both of those productions on that website. And we are the Speakeasy Society on Facebook, uh, the Speakeasy Soc, S-O-C, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so those are all good spots uh, to check us out and join our mailing list to get early notification about Yeah, things. mailing list is definitely the best way to go because people snatch up tickets so fast. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll probably do this again sometime. So. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll see you then. In another five years. <laughs> <laughs> probably another five months. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Once again, want to thank our friends at the Speakeasy Society for being our guests on the show. We are excited. Uh, we're going to get to check out Wild Party uh, along with all of you very soon. There are some tickets still available. There's only two shows, um, and I think they're they're getting close to sold out. So when when you hear this, it may be very very close. Uh, go to their website, follow the links. Uh, you know. This is your this is your chance. Uh, you know, there it might take a long time before they get to do this one again, um, or or it could be a one off. So you don't know uh, if you're a fan. Uh, I'd 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 recommend. Um, it, yeah, I'm going to start umming stop umming and awing in a second here, um, and also 
Kansas collection, particularly if you have not caught any of that, I definitely recommend uh, snatching up some tickets there and uh, joining that uh, that cavalcade of fun. Uh, I know that sounded insincere. I do enjoy it. So um, I almost be like, oh, let's start recording again. No, look, the coffee's starting to wear off and I got to go to work in a minute here. Um, and there's, there's, you probably, uh, okay, here's what I want to talk to you about this week. See, I was, I was hedging right there. I assume at this point, everyone knows when I'm hedging, right? Like I'm a relatively transparent person, um, which, which is terrifying. <sighs> So this week I got some pretty, pretty horrendous news actually. Um, and so did a lot of my, uh, compatriots back in college. Um, little backstory here for those you don't know, uh, I am a theater person at heart. I have a theater degree from San Francisco state university, uh, which when I joined up, I swear was one of the top theater schools in the country. Um, and then our budget cuts started rolling down. But the amazing thing about that before time, before those budget cuts, is that because it was one of the top schools in the country, we had attracted this amazing faculty um, from around the world um, who had just this, this depth of training and knowledge. And there was this misfit spirit to state, you know, we weren't a repertory school. We were a, we are a state university. We can't be a rep school. A bunch of people who <coughs> went with us, like they wish it was a rep school. And we were like, no, we like it this way. The thing about going to state is you, you got the education you needed to survive. Full stop. Um, the folks who have gone on to make careers for themselves in the arts who come from that school, they have not taken traditional paths but they sure as hell have changed the face of things. Um, I'm thinking about my friends up at SF Sketchfest, uh, who started that off as a way to have a venue for their sketch comedy troupe. And now it's like one of the biggest comedy festivals in the country. It's going on right now. Um, the um, biggest, yeah. Anyway, um, it's apt that I mentioned Sketchfest because it was David Owen, uh, one of the co-founders, who uh, tagged me in a post on Facebook this week. Um, and David, David, you know, he actually apologized to all of us later because Facebook is the worst way to learn that someone's passed. And um, as a community, we've we've suffered a few losses over the years. Um, the the first one was our professor Camille Howard, um, who passed just a few years after graduation uh, and Camille was a dear soul who taught acting, just a beautiful person and, and really, you know, opened a lot of our eyes in, you know, to just, just the, the poetry of acting. Um, I, I mentioned, uh, so we, we lost Muhammad um, Kauzar. Um, and I know I'm, I'm talking about people you don't know, but just please bear with me for a minute here. Um, Muhammad was, um, he was my mentor. Um, and I had an, oh, I 
shouldn't be doing this. Um, no. Um, look, you know, please don't write in about this. Just don't. All right. I just this is something I gotta do. I need you guys to know who he was. All right. This full stop. And I'm I'm not gonna talk about circumstances of his death and I'm not going to or any of that stuff because that's a distraction from what's important even though like I want to um there's there's some videos circulating on Facebook there's one video circulating on Facebook uh from I think like 2014 or something like that of, of Muhammad of him giving notes to um a production I don't I think not his production actually um, someone else's production from what I can tell. I don't even know the circumstances, but it encapsulates the man, uh, in, in amazing. It is, it is a moment of Muhammad at his most Muhammadness. Um, and what I need you to understand about this amazing person is that he taught at state for the better part of 30 years. Um, this, this small Persian man of, of great intensity and an absolute clarity. And he was both, uh, he, he directed, he taught directing, and uh, he was most famous for his theater history classes. Indeed, uh, his theater history classes were legend to the point of being intimidating. The sh- the, like, like, you've never seen, I mean, like, theater students are not known for being the most academically rigorous. So you know that, like, everyone was terrified of Muhammad's classes. And indeed, I avoided them. I avoided them like the plague because everyone was so scared. And I'm a lazy person. And they were like, oh, it's so tough. And, like, he, he posts the results on the wall. And, you, and then the thing, and, like, you find out that you're bro- heartbroken because you're dumb. And he's so fast. And, like, it just goes, goes, goes. And, and I was so freaked out but he was the only person who taught 402 which was the middle block of theater history and i was like oh god no like this is going to be a nightmare there was no avoiding him i i had avoided him intentionally of course you know what that means so i get into that class and um he he starts his first lecture off talking about how what he does is a jazz riff on the material And it was the most amazing thing I had ever seen out of a professor, out of a teacher. Um, just this lyrical stream of consciousness that wove. I mean, he knew his material backwards and forwards, right? And and that sheer confidence in 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 knowing the narrative of history. And, and having a, a skeleton key to unlock all of that, well, it, it changed the course of Mighty Rivers. Um, it was Muhammad who got me into Buchner and Brecht. It was Muhammad who um, you know, directed me in my first show at State, and that led to some lifelong friendships that exist to this day. Uh, it was Muhammad who uh, made me his assistant director when we did the Rover. Um, oh, I was I was not the world's greatest assistant director, um, and I was often very frustrated with him. Um, he gave me a copy of um, Stevenson's uh, Cryptonomicon when I graduated. 
Um, I don't even think he knew that I liked Neil Stevenson. I I loved Neil Stevenson. Uh, maybe he did. We'd argue about comic books. Um, we'd we'd, you know, he he showed me, you know, the first Julie Tamer footage I ever saw. Um, I, this is the ironic part. I had um, written him for the first time in years. See, I, I had nothing to show. I had nothing to show to him for ages. Um, nothing at all. Nothing I was proud of. Nothing I thought he'd be proud of. Um, and I, I, you know, he's one of those people you, you don't want to disappoint. So anyway, last week, work gave me an excuse to write him. And I took it. I took it because I wanted to tell him about about IDS. I wanted to tell him that I had finally, you know, done something with my theater degree, um, something of scale, something that I hoped he'd be proud of. And um, I have no idea if he saw the email. And... I, uh, he'll, he'll never know maybe what, I mean, I hope he knew, I hope he knew what he meant to all of us because I am not alone in feeling his loss and my community of alumni. And we're talking about, you know, the better part of a decade stretched out on either side of my own tenure and three decades of students are rallying around because I will say that his life was cut short and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Anyway, look, here's what I'm trying to say. I didn't lose someone. We all lost someone. And even if you didn't know him, there would be no no proscenium without Muhammad Kauzar. It wouldn't exist. Because as charged up and as excited as I was about theater when I was a college student, it was the depth of his passion and his energy that helped burn in the need to be involved in this world into me. So if you're grateful for no pro, then you're grateful for the life of this man who you never met. And I just needed you to know his name. Anyway, um, this show um, is, is brought to you by the efforts of a lot of people and the willingness to contribute of all of our sustaining backers who I mentioned at the top of the show. Um, feels weird to like mention names right now. Um, and, uh, yeah. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to, um, think of your favorite teacher, your favorite professor, um, your mentors, 
particularly if you haven't talked to them in a while, and I want you to fucking write them or call them. Right? Don't make my mistake. Until next time, I'll see you at the show.